you only get one life and I don't like to waste time. Whether or not that's wasting my time with certain situations or certain environments and things of that nature, if something's not working, I want to change it. And I think that I have not given myself enough credit for that, for taking a risk of stepping out and changing something. Because even though we don't like the situation that we're in, we don't know what the future holds. And so it's easy to get into a comfortable misery and just stick with something. As Christians, we were taught to be good stewards over our tithing and giving to the less fortunate. But when it came to our own personal finances and investments, we are clueless on what the Bible says. What does the Bible say about managing debt, leaving a legacy, investing, or even planning for retirement? We answer these and many other questions because we want to teach you how to be rich and righteous. If this is your first time to the show, we want to say welcome. If you're coming back for another spiritual refill, welcome back. I am A.B. Ridgeway, and this is Financial Advisors Say the Darndest Things. So let's bring on our next guest. He's the office coordinator for the Louisiana Entrepreneurship and Economic Development Center at UL Lafayette. In his position with LEAD, he coordinates the activity and logistics of the LEAD Center and prepares grants and contracts. In this role, he has the opportunity to work with entrepreneurs, students, and community organizers. He serves as a board member for New Hope Community Development of Acadiana, uh, provides tutoring and enrichment programs for youngsters in need, and president of the board for the Family Connection Incorporated, a nonprofit founded by himself and his wife, Latoya, which works with foster youth who have aged out of the system and provides them with the life skills and career guidance. Ladies and gentlemen, if this is not a man with service on his heart, I don't know who is. Let's all give a round of applause for Mr. Kevin. Good, good, good. I, I am just grateful that you were able to take some time from your busy schedule to spend with us. And, and I want to start at the beginning. Awesome. Appreciate you. Um, thank you for having me as a guest. Um, I was born and raised in Lake Charles, Louisiana. Stayed there till I was about 18 years old. And I went to college at UL Lafayette. Grew up, both of my parents have a younger brother who's nine years younger than me. Growing up, we had a very close extended family, aunts, uncles, great aunts. Um, so it was just, it was awesome growing up in that kind of environment, knowing that there were so many people that cared for us. You know, I didn't go to daycare. I went to my grandmother's house. You know, my grandmother wasn't there. My aunt lived next door, my great aunt. So I would go there. So it was cool growing up, being close to family, getting to know my great grandmother who passed away when I was about. 13 or 14 at the age of 87. So, you know, just having that strong family community aspect growing up, I feel like really, really propelled me to what I wanted to do as an adult. Right. I think that's a beautiful story. I think a lot of us are missing that family structure because we do send mm -hmm. our kids to daycare or we entrust that somebody else is going to raise our kids. I talk to my wife all the time about the school system. And, well, the school was this and the school was that. I said, listen, has nothing to do with the school. The yeah. school is not responsible for raising your children. Yeah. They are responsible for providing education, the facts, and we are charged with the accountability to raise yeah. them, to make yeah. sure the information is positioned in such a way that they grow mm -hmm. up to be accountable adults. Yeah. So 
there was a concept we talked about earlier off air, but it was about selflessness and serving in different environments. And you tell a story about when you were in Texas and you started the college ministry. Can you tell us a little bit more about that time in your life before you transitioned? I grew up, let's get a little background, I grew up going to church every so often, you know, holidays and things of that nature, uh, Mother's Day and all of that. But when I started college, I really had a desire to be a part of a ministry uh, to, you know, I was on my own. When I got my own car in high school, I would go to church on my own. You know, so I, for me, I was seeking out the Lord. I just didn't know what that was going to look like. So by my sophomore year, I got involved in a group called Chi Alpha here at UL, um, gave my life to the Lord, became a part of an amazing small group, had some amazing men disciple me and things of that nature. And so after being in Chi Alpha and serving as a leader for almost four years during my college career, I felt like that there was more. So I decided to do the CAF internship that they have. It's called a campus missionary and training. Wow. Um, and so I didn't know we had the program here in Lafayette, but I, I'm kind of I kind of wanted to branch out. I kind of wanted to get out of my comfort zone. And I remember at a conference, I met the campus pastor from Sam Houston State University in Huntsville, Texas. Um, at the time, they were like one of the largest groups on in the country, largest CAF groups. And so uh, I had this meeting scheduled with the pastor and I'm thinking like, oh, we're going to meet up for breakfast at this conference. And he's going to be like, yeah, this is what we do. This is why we're so big. We have this amazing person. We have me, and, you know, just expecting him to play himself up. Sure. And I remember sitting in that, at that breakfast and he was like, I can't tell you what we do. It's all God. Like we just try to be <laughs> obedient and walk, you know, with the Lord and in the spirit and all of that. And at that moment, I was like, OK, this is somebody that I want to learn from. Come on. And so that was that's what led me to Huntsville, Texas. Now, as part of the program, I was responsible for raising my own budget. Did I do as much work as I should have to get that budget? Probably not. Um, <laughs> I had the idea that, oh, well, if God calls, he's going to provide. And so I just do a little bit and then he'll just handle the rest kind of thing. And that was the mindset that I had because I, at that time I had not faced, I don't want to say adversity, but so growing up, I was always an AB student. Right. You know, on a roll, everything. So it always came easy to me. Oh, if I just studied, then this happened. So I got into this mindset of, oh, if if I do this and this, then C is going to happen. But as I'm raising money and not getting money coming in, I'm like, well, that's what credit cards are for. <laughs> so, you know, credit card, they'll just give God more time to provide because if he calls, he's going to provide. Right. And when I moved there, my first month's rent was due. I had to go to the bank and get a uh, cash advance off of my credit card in order to pay the first month's rent. Wow. That should have told me at some point, you're not ready for this. Maybe you need to do a little bit more work. Um, you know, that didn't mean that God didn't call me. It, mean that I, it means that I didn't do my part. Right. But obviously I had that mindset that, oh, a credit card is just giving God more opportunity to be faithful. Even if he just covered the principal, I can handle the interest, you know, kind of thing. So <laughs> that was the mindset that I had when I moved. I feel like I had a pure heart mm. having that mindset. And I just was like, well, I'm excited to serve the Lord and whatever. And so I had this narrow idea of what serving the Lord meant. But as I grew older, that has widened. So what has it widened to? So before, you know, you have this perspective on what serving the Lord is really about. Mm -hmm. How did that grow out of that financial situation? So I had this mindset that, 
oh, I'm a missionary. I'm going out into the mission field. So all of you pew warmers out there, y'all need to give me money because I'm the one that's actually doing the work kind of thing. And it was almost like a prideful thing. And as I, you know, was did ministry and had to transition out of ministry due to not having enough money to stay in ministry, I realized that ministry happens everywhere. We serve the Lord everywhere. And that sacred, secular wall kind of came crashing down. And during my time in ministry at Sam Houston State, there were a couple of men that I met who had full-time jobs. One was a school principal. The other was a finance person uh, for the school, the local school district. And they worked full-time. They still had a heart for ministry. And I got to see them work while also doing ministry. And so that kind of put a seed in me of like, oh, I don't have to be out here struggling to make ends meet, trying to be a quote unquote missionary in the field. I can serve the Lord with whatever door he has that he will open for me. Yeah, I think that's a beautiful topic. We talked about that, right? We talked about opening up your views to be a minister outside of the four walls, that ministry can be fulfilled in your work environment as well as you just stated, and that how you had missed opportunities to build relationships with your classmates because you strictly mm-hmm. just ran to the ministry like, hey, this is yeah. where I'm going to spend my time. This is what I'm going to do. And I don't want to do anything else. Uh, and I think that Jesus actually realized that, too. And that's why he went outside of Jerusalem mm-hmm. to spread the gospel. He didn't necessarily just stay in his little comfort area, you know, preaching yeah. to his mom and, and his brothers <laughs> and sisters, things of that nature. So, yeah. you know, I think that's a, a great point to make for our listeners is that sometimes church can be our comfort zone. So we need to ask ourselves, one, are we being obedient, which we are, right? We're trying to follow the Lord and everything that he says, but are we growing? As you're meeting new people in the faith, you're not sticking with Chi Alpha that's just on campus. You're growing to a, a larger Chi Alpha. You're not just sticking to the missionaries in your local area. You're, you're growing to people who have different, who fall differently on the spectrum of ministry and, and doing that work. So let's talk about some of those financial ch- challenges again. The, the, you said that a self-proclaimed, uh, very analytical, and you're very frugal, <laughs> which which tends to go hand in hand. So can you tell us a little bit more about your personality that drove you to be so disciplined in those times? Disciplined as in financially disciplined? Well, the, the analytical aspect of it where you could take a bad situation of mm-hmm. taking a cash advance on your credit card and uh, coming to the okay. realization that, you know what, this is not working. Because some of yeah. us, we fall into this pit of, I want to call it cognitive dissonance, where mm-hmm. we know something is not working for us, but we continue to do it because that's the habit that we're, we're used to. Yeah. Some people are yeah. used to getting cash events. They'll do it month after month after month, knowing that the fees are piling up. They'll spend more than they have. They'll have overdraft fees. So can you explain how you snapped yourself out of that and realize like, this is not the way I am not going to make it if I can continue down this path? I think for me, it was a lot of, I have a very low tolerance for being uncomfortable. Um, (laughs) So like when people say, I'm tired of being sick and tired, that happens for me very quickly. (laughs) (laughs) So if something's not working, I'm like, okay, I'm I'm not going to continue on doing the same thing, thinking that things are going to change. Like another situation for me was I remember very vividly having my credit card almost maxed out. And I think it was maybe on a Sunday morning, I had to get some gas for my car and my available balance was $9. So 
So I remember filling up at the Shell station for $9. And that's not a good feeling. And so if something doesn't feel good to me, like I don't want to continue to do that. Right. Even now when I fill up my car, even the gas was over $4 a gallon. I'm sitting there at the gas pump saying, thank you, Lord, that I can actually fill this car up. Yes. You know, because I mean, gas is expensive, quote unquote, but I was a lot more broke back in 2008 or 2006 than I am now. I can afford the $4 a gallon of gas. And so that's something that I always think about, you know, and just being grateful, you know, even though the thing keeps rolling and rolling the 60 or 70, it's like, thank you, Lord, that I have this money in my account to pay for this, that I'm using my debit card and not a credit card. And I know that I'm going to have enough money to fill it up when it goes empty again. So for me, that's what it, it led to because I have this mindset personally that you only get one life and I don't like to waste time. Whether or not that's wasting my time with certain situations or certain environments and things of that nature, if something's not working, I want to change it. And I think that I have not given myself enough credit for that, for taking a risk of stepping out and changing something. Because even though we don't like the situation that we're in, we don't know what the future holds. And so it's easy to get into a comfortable misery and just stick with something. Yeah. So speaking about this comfort zone and, and this risk taking. So back in 1998, right, that's when you first got your your car, the one we're talking about, right? The, the filling up the car, you use that car to transition from Texas, right? And I think you took that cash advance in 2010, you're riding in Lake Charles and God told you it's time to move back to Louisiana. When he told you to move, what did you think? So first when I moved to Texas, I was only supposed to be for 10 months and I was going to come back to Louisiana and do ministry. After the first year there, I met some amazing people, built some amazing friendships that I couldn't I didn't, I couldn't, I didn't feel like I, it was time for me to leave. And so I was like, okay, well, I'm going to stay another year. And so what's really funny for me is, you know, I'm analytical. I like to analyze. Sometimes I have analysis paralysis. But one of the biggest decisions of my life, deciding to stay in Texas as opposed to Louisiana, happened like quickly. There was no, I don't want to say there was no praying. There was no like dragging it out. You know, I didn't have to go into a closet and pray for a week to figure out what I needed to do. I feel like at that point in my life, I was walking so close to the spirit that I just heard him, you know. Right. And so I was talking to a guy that was my mentor over there. I said, yeah, I'm thinking about staying in Texas, yes. you know, for another year. And he's like, what, what's your gut telling you? And I'm like, just stay in Texas. He was like, all right, that's what you're going to do. You know, like, that's what you need to do. And I was like, okay, cool. And I felt like this complete peace about it. If you're walking close to the Lord, it doesn't take all the extra stuff in order to hear his voice. And when you hear his voice, you just be obedient. And that's what I did. And so moving back to Louisiana was the same way. Uh, after I'd been in Texas for a few years, I was like, yeah, I'm not going back. I'm going to stay in Texas. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to move to Houston. I'm moved to Austin or San Antonio or somewhere and, you know, be the, the mid-20s bachelor living in the high-rise condo, walking down to the coffee shop. But it was at a point to when my grandmother passed away, my maternal grandmother passed away in December of 2008. And I had just started my job out there after ministry. And it was just hard being away from family because she was the closest person at the time to pass away um, to me. Um, and so it felt like for me, it was like, okay, well, maybe I do need to move back. Uh, you know, the, the seed was planted. I wanted to be closer to home. And my brother was in high school and 
uh, he played sports and I missed yeah. a lot of his games because I was in Texas and all of that in Lake Charles on Christmas night. And I felt the Lord say, hey, it's time to move back to Louisiana. And it wasn't that, OK, well, I'm going to go back to the um, when I get back to, to Texas, I'm going to pray about it and I'm going to text five to 10 people and see what they say about it and all of that. It was just like, OK, cool. I got to move back. And it was OK. So what's my next step? I didn't go back to Texas and say, hey, I'm quitting. I'm moving to Louisiana. I was looking for jobs in Louisiana while I was working in Texas and just trying to balance all of that. And they knew that I wanted to get home and whatnot. But I didn't. I wasn't going to quit my job. That'd be dumb. So it was about three months later, I ended up getting laid off from my job, which happened the same month my lease on my apartment was going to expire. And the majority of the people that I built relationships with as to why I stayed in Texas, we're graduating and moving on. So it's almost like a series finale that God orchestrated, but that seed of, of wanting to move back to Louisiana was planted and I was obedient in that. And so for me, it was funny because I was looking back on my Facebook memories recently, uh, earlier this year, around the time I got laid off. And I, I wrote in one of my posts, quote, I'm going to punch the next person that says, you did want to move back to Louisiana, unquote. Right. You know, because that's what a lot of people were like, well, you wanted to move back. And it's like, yeah, but getting laid off doesn't make it easy. Like, just because I wanted to move back, I wanted to move back on my own terms. I didn't want to have to um, get called into an office and saying, hey, we're eliminating your position and all of that and then have to still work for a month and a half, you know, but that taught me that when God does something, I can't, I'm not in control of how it happened. The end result was the same, almost more of a lesson to me in his character than had I had it my way and I got a job and I quit my job in Texas and started a week later in Louisiana, as opposed to being 27 years old, living back with my parents right. and collecting unemployment. Like that's, that's not a very big uh, <laughs> self-esteem boost for a man. A young single man. So <laughs> there's a couple of points that you made, which I do want to address is productive procrastination. And I think a lot of people lean on church for that productive procrastination. Mm -hmm. I have been praying. I, I just want to pray. I want to pray about it. I want to talk about it. but they're not doing the works, right? So faith without works is dead. And that's exactly what people are doing. They're leaning on these prayers. And obviously we want to seek guidance, but just like you said, we also have to take action. And I think that you're on the other side of that spectrum. It's like you'll act, you know, you pray, hey, if God is talking to me, he, he's talking to me. Another thing we want to talk about, too, is God's timing. And God's timing is perfect. And, and man, we can, we can make the plans, but God establishes yeah. our steps. So, yes, you do have a vision for where you want to go. And, and God yeah. agreed with you. But he's saying, listen, these are the yeah. steps that you need to go through because you're not going to appreciate what I'm going to bring you out of until you recognize what you are in. And I, and I love that idea that, you know, God's timing is perfect because if you would have quit, you wouldn't have the, the least idea of what it takes to actually make that transition. You wouldn't have that gratitude at the pump where you're pumping your gas. It's at 60, 70. It's like, you know, God, thank you. Thank you for all that stuff. Like you just cannot script it better than God. You probably wouldn't even be on the podcast telling this story. Right. And one thing I do want to tell my listeners out there that are going through troubled times. You have to understand that it is important to struggle. And I'm not saying that because I want you to go through bad situations. I am not saying that because I want you to be in pain. 
But what I am telling you is that if you are going to be a testimony for anybody who is out there, you are going to have to go through something that they possibly could be going through as well. And you cannot have the spirit of empathy if you never struggled. You know, nobody wants to hear a story. Once upon a time, there was a man who came, he born, he had a happy life and he died. Nobody wants to hear that story. They can't relate to it because life is not that. Life is filled with ebbs and flows. But I heard something very interesting and I want to get your opinion on this too. There's two sides to everything. There's no such thing as a one side of anything. Have you ever seen a one sided coin? Have you ever seen a one sided slice of bread? Have you ever seen a one sided pancake? No, there is there's this this duality to everything. There's pluses and minuses. There's good and bad in everything that you do. It is your mentality and your perspective and how you take that out. So what we're going to talk about now is that at this point, you're doing pretty good, right? Um, you moved out from Texas. You're in Louisiana. Um, you told me uh, also that you used to volunteer for the Habitat for Humanity. Can you tell us a little bit about that servitude and how first you're in a mission and now you're you're building houses. That's- so I did a couple of days with Habitat because there's only so many. Uh, a lot of it was for my own personal mental health at that point, because there's only mm. so many applications you can fill out in a day and right. so many interviews you can get with no prospects and not feeling depressed. You know, um, True. I mean, price is right. Watching the price is right is good, you know, for the first week, but <laughs> you know, like I don't want to be sitting there watching the Price Is Right and the the stories <laughs> every day. So right. I got to figure out something. I got to figure out a way to make myself productive. And so um, I saw that Habitat for Humanity was in Lake Charles, and so I was like, oh, well, let me let me see. At that point, I realized that serving was going to help me to not to take the focus off of myself and my situation. And what really was really cool is that I don't know if I told you this, but when I got the call for the job that I got when I moved back to Louisiana, I was actually at a Habitat work site. I was in the middle of volunteering when I got the call. And at that point, I was only unemployed for less than two months. And which at the time was crazy because people that I worked with were unemployed longer than that. Um, so I picked up and moved four hours away and got a job within two months. So for me, the servant aspect of it helped me to get the focus off myself. But I believe that the Lord honored that by giving me that job. So I, I do want to touch on a, a few things, too. Right. So you're in the middle of serving. And God blesses you. You're out there on the work site, you know, painting, you know, hammering nails, things of that nature. And he he blesses you with that opportunity where you saw no opportunity. I also want to touch on there was a situation um, back in your early days. You know, you had a roommate that you need to cover some of your your Mm -hmm. rent with. Mm -hmm. Um, You even mentioned that in your journal, you had about two dollars in the account when you went to H.E.B. grocery store and you needed something to eat. Right. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about that story? Because I don't think our listeners has heard that story from you. I would I would love for you to share that story because it links to the humility in finances and your perspective on servitude going. I think that's a very pivotal moment for me listening mm-hmm. to your story, um, how that felt. So can you explain that story and we'll go into um, how that changed your perspective? Being 
a grown man with a college degree at the time and having to depend on other people was a very humbling experience. But I feel like it taught me the character of God. And I saw God's love in the people that helped me through those times. Um, that was my my first roommate. You know, rent was due at the beginning of the month. And we split rent or whatever. Um, but there came a point to where I couldn't afford to do pay the rent until like the 7th or the 8th. And I had to pay the late fees and all of that. And there was one point where I didn't have enough to cover my half of the rent. And so I I talked to him, I had to sit down and talk to him. And I said, hey, look, I don't have my portion of the rent. And he was like, okay, well, I'll cover you. And he was a missionary as well. So it wasn't like I was, I was living with some engineer guy making a hundred grand or something. Like he was, he was in the same boat that I was in, but he helped me out in those situations. And so for me, it was, I was in a new place. I was three hours from family and that could have ended badly had it not been for the people who I was around, the people in the ministry who loved me as God loves. And experiencing that um, was so was so important to me because it changed my whole perspective on on serving, on loving, on ministry. And there was a point a couple of months into the internship where I was just out of money. I, it wasn't working, you know, tired of asking my roommate to cover rent and all of this kind of stuff. And I sat down with the campus pastor um, at the Kyle there in Huntsville, Eli Gotro. And we met at the Starbucks out in Huntsville. And going into the meeting, this is the same guy that I met at breakfast who said, I don't know how God, you know, it's not us, it's God. Right. But still, I had this mindset of going in and being like, him sitting there like, well, you know what, buddy? You know, it's time for you to go back to Louisiana because you're, right. not, you're nothing but a drain on us. You're not one of us. Not, you haven't done anything in this ministry yet. You haven't saved anybody. You haven't discipled anybody. So it's time for you to go back because you're you're you have no use to us, right? Right. You know, and that was the mind that that was going in. That's how I thought in your head, the yeah, that's what's going in your head, right? And so we sit down, and he was like, "It's like obviously it's not working. You know, something has to change or whatever." And so what I'll do is see if I can find some part time work for you. See if we can pause the internship while you you know do some work, and you know work to raise some money, raise your money up, and things of that nature. And so it was like, oh, okay, cool. You know, right. and at that moment it was like, man, had he had he said what I thought he was going to say, that would have been that would have changed the trajectory of not only my life, but people's lives that I've met and built relationships with mm. and stuff of that nature. And so another lesson that I just got while I'm speaking, um, he didn't get in God's way. Yes. And I feel like sometimes we have a propensity to get in God's way. And so it was so cool that I saw Jesus in that moment in him. Come on. Because I had nothing to offer. I was broke. I have no history with them. I have not contributed very much to the ministry that they are, but I was still important enough for him to do to go out and to help. And through that, I got a part-time job working on a ranch. Mm-hmm. Never thought I would work on a ranch. Had to drive out to a ranch uh, in Grimes County, Texas, and become a ranch hand. Talking about painting fences, digging ditches, 
um, taking a pole saw to the to the to the trees and all of this, driving a tractor. This is stuff that I never would have thought I would do. Right. Um, but it was necessary for me to do it in order to learn how to work, in order to learn that God doesn't just provide by putting a check in the mailbox. Um, but it's also humbling to know that after a day's work at the ranch, one time I had to go to Walmart with my dirty Wranglers on, my dirty shirt. And my mindset was always, oh, once I get a college degree, then I get to work in air conditioner. And that makes me better <laughs> than people who have to work outside because I have a degree. Right. I'll sit in the AC. And right. at that moment, I'm walking in Walmart. You know, my college degree didn't matter. Mm. You know, I got my dirty. I just got off a ranch just like some other people just got off a ranch or just got off of manual labor jobs or blue collar right. jobs and things of that nature. Um, and it was at that moment that God showed me, like, your titles and stuff don't matter. <laughs> you know, yes, like, yes, you're right. Yeah, it's what you see, you know, and walking around, going through the store, dressed like that, be like, hey, but I have a college degree, you know, or whatever. Right. And it's like, oh, it's treat me differently than you would that guy, you know, because right. I have a degree, even though I'm yeah. dressed like this. This is not who I am. You now, know, and I think the same thing. You know, I, <laughs> one, of, one of the things, is one of my pet peeves. Um, mm-hmm. I own AB Ridgeway Wealth Management and we're a Christian investment firm and things of that nature. But the unfortunate thing is I don't like the question, what do you do as soon mm-hmm. as somebody meets me? Yeah. Because I kind of feel like it's insincere. Mm-hmm. They go, well, what do you do? As if trying to judge how much respect they should they give do. me. Yeah. Right. So mm-hmm. if I said, hey, I own AB Ridgeway Wealth Management, all of a sudden I'm up here. Yeah. But if I just said, uh, you know, I, you know, I just, I work in my garden. I'm unemployed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now their respect may, may go down a little bit lower. Yeah. So yeah. that is my thing. And I'm glad that you learned that lesson because there is humility in finances as we talked about, but I do want to address a point and I hope our listeners caught this as well. Environment. So making sure that you are in the right spaces. So when people give you things and they have nothing to gain, that's what they call unconditional love. You know, at this point, you have $2 in your account, nothing to your name. As you said before, you had nothing to give him, but he gave you more. And this is the position that we want to be in. And and I talk to my listeners all the time about tithing. This is a non-monetary tithing. This man gave you an opportunity for you to grow, for you to spread the gospel. And he didn't have to give you $100. He could have easily gave you $100 and told you, here's some gas money to get you to Louisiana. He could have. And he probably thought he was doing a good deed, but his connection to that ranch made it so where that money was not necessary, that non-monetary tithe. Now, it would have been nice to have $100. (laughs) I think you would have appreciate that a little bit more. But then also, let's talk about this illusion as well, is that education does not raise you higher or lower in the kingdom of God. We're all equal. We are individuals that are all trying to go down the same direction. It's really about the aligning of our values. And that rancher saw something in you says, hey, listen, I need some help. You could be a helping hand. Let's see if we can get you on your feet. And also the return on your faithfulness to the faith was non-monetary as well, because God blessed you with a work ethic that normally you probably wouldn't have had if you were already in that air conditioner, if you yeah. already had that title. And I like that because as we go, I, I meet a lot of people in my industry and I'm, I'm, 
even on this podcast, right? We know people like Tony Hickson, who who manages, you know, nearly almost, you know, five hundred million dollars in assets and been financial for years. I mean, money hand over fist, right? But he's faithful to the Lord. He mm-hmm. gives a lot. His ambition. He started very humble, and he's grown this huge empire. But it starts with that humility. So he gives more than he takes in at this point. Yeah. So you're cutting down fences. You're you're cutting down trees. You're learning the the benefits of hard work because God has put you through that and he's delivered you. So I want to start contract here. This is going to be a hard stop. We're going to talk about the guy who walks into Walmart with Wranglers on. And now we're going to talk about what you do today, how God has transformed you. Cause I don't want people to get lost into the jargon. I want them to see that difference. You walk into Walmart and now you as a lead coordinator, you know, my first job back in, Louisiana, I worked in logistics for a food manufacturer, a privately owned food manufacturer. And when I went to interview for that position, actually, at the time, there were three people who had previously had that position in like the previous month. Um, One quit on the first day because it was too much for them. And orientation, uh, yeah. getting and coffee so was too much. I'm they're talking, they're like, you know, this job is hard, this job is whatever it's gonna be. But I'm like, oh, I'm up for the challenge, you know. Right, right. And I took it, and it, it was a, it was a hard job. It was dealing with shipping product and working with schedules and getting stuff on time and making sure the warehouse and the manufacturing facility was all together and not shipping out things, you know. So stuff like that, not shipping out things that don't need to be shipped out, just like all of that kind of stuff, not wasting money. Right. And that was a hard experience. But throughout that time, it was a learning experience. But I knew that there was something more. And right. with, you know, the way that I was doing college ministry back in Texas, um, there was a root of bitterness, I guess, in me that it didn't work out like I thought it would. Mm. And so it was, okay, well, I'm done with that college stuff forever. Like, I tried tried that. It didn't work. And then getting laid off from a government job in the state of Texas, I was like, well, I'm never working for the government again. I'm working (laughs) in the private sector and blah, 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 forever. But sitting there shipping product all day, not feeling fulfilled, I was like, man, there's more to this than um, shipping product. And I remember there was a, a missionary came to speak at the church that I was attending at the time. And he shared the story of Jonah and how Jonah did not want to go to Nineveh. Right. And I began to think of myself, am I like Jonah and that I don't want anything to do with college. I don't want anything to do with university because of what I experienced as a missionary, even though, you know, pouring into young people is something that I was passionate about and things of that nature. And go. I got my answer. I was driving to work one day. Um, to the food manufacturer and I remember clear as day said oh God told me you're going to go work at UL and I was like oh okay cool what do I need to do <laughs> right. and so I started filling out applications and application after application everybody kept telling me well it's so hard to get into UL it's so hard and that you have to know somebody and I didn't know anybody um, but a few months after that I was given a chance to be an admissions counselor and that was my foot in the door and i was an admissions counselor for six years which is a lot longer than i thought i was going to be i thought it was going to be my quick foot in the door and then go up um 
But what's really funny, going back to all of it feels like it's connected. So I got my master's degree in 2017. And so at the time, I'm like, oh, I'm going to get a master's degree. Then I'm going to get a new job. Then somebody's going to give me a chance and I'm going to do this. But I got my degree, my master's degree, interviewed for nine different positions in a wow. three-year span and got absolutely none of them. And I was like, okay, what's wrong with me? Um, <laughs> right. Right. But then this position at the lead center came available and I interviewed for it and I actually got it. Been doing it about a year, almost two years now, and I love every single minute of it. And looking back on those nine jobs that I applied for <laughs> at the time <laughs> after I earned my master's, I'm like, I would not have liked it. Like this, this would have just been me chasing something to get a quote unquote better position because I have a master's degree. And so that experience has taught me as well that God knows what's best for us, even when we see it. And what's really funny is that this position that I have at the Leeds Center, my previous position as an admissions counselor, um, my position in Texas, working for human resources for the state of Texas, were all brand new positions. Mm. People had never been in those positions before. So I was the first one in those positions, which is kind of funny. I'm like, how... How does that happen three times in my career? And I'm not even right. 40 yet. And it's just like, so that's stuff that's like being orchestrated that I don't even know about. Yes. You know, and that was like this lead center job was created. And like, I'm talking about a job that I want working in economic development, working in entrepreneurship, working at the university and working in the community before the job was even created. Mm. And like I'm stepping into it and it's like, oh, this is exactly what I said. I just didn't see it because it wasn't there. You know, and that was another <laughs> lesson that things are God made it for you. Because God know. created that job for you. Yeah. 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 That is so well, I think that's that's beautiful. And and the thing is that really impresses me about this is your ability to leverage every experience in your life. So I think a lot of people do they go through some of these trials and these tribulations but they don't take the lesson. Mm -hmm. They don't understand that. And I'll, I'll tell a story. Some of my listeners have heard this before. When I was a young man, I almost felt like you graduated top of my class, you know, did some work down South, uh, shot the movie, uh, the great debaters with Denzel Washington. I was a production assistant. Didn't want to go into Hollywood, go to France, teach English, thinking I'm gonna go to Spain and then yeah. come back to law school, you know, all these different paths and things of that nature. And I realized I needed love. I want to feel that unconditional love. So I ended up marrying my wife in, in Arizona or my girlfriend at the time ended up marrying, <laughs> marrying her in Arizona. And there, there's not many business degrees or, you know, uh, PR degrees or anything else like that out there. So I was literally wandering the desert trying to figure out like, where am I at? You know, I'm from California. You've taken me almost halfway across the world and now I'm in the desert and yeah. I had to get a job at a cell phone shop. Mm -hmm. And this is where the story is going. This cell phone shop changed my life. Mm -hmm. It was humbling. Believe it or not, it was actually good money. Back mm -hmm. then, cell phones were expensive. They're not what they are now. You know, yeah. it may cost you $700, but as far as the money that you were making for selling them, I mean, it was hard. You Only people who had a significant amount of money or maybe on a family plan had cell phones at the time. Mm -hmm. But what this taught me was, like you said, hard work. Because I had to make it work. The, the the money that I was making was 
not up to par what I thought I should have. That illusion you, you say, hey, listen, I had a college degree. I was smart. And, you know, you graduate cum laude and all these other things. And you realize that none of that stuff matters, but the lessons that you learn. So I learned about hard work. I learned about sacrifice. Mm-hmm. I learned about discipline, ignoring the environment that you're in, because a lot of your friends are gone. They're in med school. They're in pre-law or whatever it is. They're in graduate school. And you think that you're being left behind, but God is not leaving you behind. And that's what I love about your story, because each one of your jobs, each one of the three has given you the experience necessary for you to be prepared for this moment. Mm -hmm. And I think our listeners need to do that is that understand that God is preparing you for the next steps. So no matter how bad something is, I want you to keep in mind, if you have a purpose and God has a purpose and you're following his will, there's a reason you're here. Yeah, It's not for no reason. It's for one reason and one reason only is to fill God's uh, will for your life. So can you tell us a little bit more about servitude? So I, I kind of want to keep hitting this, this idea of service because your life's theme in, in my eyes has been from a place of service. You know, you're you're serving through Chi Alpha, you're serving through the community now, through the university, you're serving entrepreneurs, and you even have a nonprofit at this point. Mm-hmm. So can you tell us a little bit more about the nonprofit and how that came about and, and what you're doing through there? Yeah. So my wife, um, before her current job now, she works for an ed tech company. She was in social services for 16 years. And one of her jobs, she was like doing therapeutic foster care as like a case manager. And one of her the kids that she was working with um, ended up aging out of the system and being sent back to a family member who may or may not have been adequately equipped to take care of somebody who was in their late teens and on their own. And for her, she never, she don't, she doesn't know what happened to him. She doesn't know where he is and all of that. And so that really struck her. And so for her, she didn't want to see another child have to go through that. And so she started a nonprofit. She had a nonprofit already, but pivoted the focus to older foster youth. And so for us, it's been a lot of building, a lot of behind the scene things. We did a, a life skills class um, late last fall and we're preparing to do another one. We're calling them life prep classes, educational and career guidance like helping them to learn what there is out there, you know, whether it's a four-year institution or a trade school or um, whatever. So we just want to be that, that resource that connects them to different resources that they may not be aware of um, that can help them. That's actually good. I know somebody, um, Lanita Holston, L-I-N-N-I-T-A-H-O-S-T-E-N. Okay. She's doing similar things, kind of establishing those four-year programs and things of that nature. Yeah. Maybe I'll connect y'all to or, or something like that. Or um, if she's listening, yes, I am name dropping mm-hmm. you because I do want you to, <laughs> to help to, to be a resource because me, I, I love to connect people as well. Uh, I think that's very imperative that we connect um, individuals. And I think that's a great way for you to give back as well because, I mean, there are a lot of troubled youth out there that mm-hmm. don't have the guidance out there. So I really appreciate what you're doing. So let's talk about a a few of the key takeaways here. So here are a few of my takeaways from the conversation is one, um, God doesn't need more time to be faithful. You know, as Christians, we must do our part and do the things we are capable of. There'll always be a gap between where we are and where we want to be. And God will fill that gap. 
but let's make it easy as possible by leveraging our current skill sets. Let's not do that productive procrastination and kind of pray our way out of situations. Uh, two, monetary tithes don't always return to us in monetary ways. Our faithfulness to do God's work may take from uh, take different forms through a job promotion, a happy marriage, or even avoiding a traffic accident. We don't know. But we just need to look beyond money as a form of this kind of quote unquote reward for our faithfulness to God and gratitude and patience. You know, there is a difference between contentment and complacency. You know, contentment is being grateful for what we have accomplished so far. Complacency is when we have no interest in taking it any further. And as Christians, our goal is to be content, have that gratitude, but not complacent because God's work is never done. But we can be grateful for the work we have put in thus far. And that's some of the key takeaways I've taken from our conversation and talking to you today. What are some of your key takeaways that you want our listeners to walk away with? Um, I think you did pretty well in, in hitting that on the head. Um, like I said, God being faithful. And for me, too, is not knowing what. So I feel like we can get complacent when we don't know the alternative. <laughs> you know, we don't know what God has done to honor our giving, our our sacrifice, or our obedience. Like we, a lot of times we don't know what the alternative could have been. So it kind of takes away from our gratefulness, I guess. And it can give yes. us a sense of, yeah. uh, oh, I deserved it, you know, or whatever kind of thing. And so if that makes sense, like I'm thinking about things that, you know, we reap what we sow and sowing that monetary tithe or even sowing unconditional love or being a servant. We don't know. We yes. don't know what we got out of that. It's not like we get an email that reports of saying, hey, because you did this, this is what you got in return. And as an analytical person, that would be so much easier if I just got an email from God every Sunday night saying, hey, Kevin, here's your report <laughs> from the past week. Because you did this for this person, right. this is what happened. And this is what didn't happen kind of thing. So that's a level right. of faith that we must have to know that it's working. We must. Whether or not it's, we see it or not, because analytical minds want to see the Excel spreadsheet that connects all the formulas yes. to like why this happened or why this didn't happen and things of that nature. So I like, am I reaping things that I sold back in 10 years ago? Maybe. I don't know. You know, I found out one day, no, but yeah. it takes faith to realize that even if things don't look like we thought we want it to look or that it should look that what we have now is probably the result of what we've sown in the past. Well, we're going to wrap up here and I will be remiss if I didn't allow Mr. Kevin Guillory an opportunity to let the audience know where they can find them. If they're interested in supporting your nonprofit, how can they do that? Uh, where can they go and a little bit more information there? Okay. For our nonprofit, the website is familyconnectioninc.org. That's familyconnectioninc.org. And you can find us on Facebook. Uh, at the Family Connection. And for me, probably the best way to, to contact me or to get in touch or know more about me is my LinkedIn profile. Um, it's just LinkedIn. Let me make sure I got the right one. And it's just Kevin Guillory at Kevin Guillory on LinkedIn. That's awesome. And we're going to put those links in the description. So uh, if you're listening on the road, I don't want you to pull out a sheet of paper and, <laughs> you know, keep your eyes on the road <laughs> or keep your eyes on the treadmill. Uh, I don't want to be liable for any of that. The descriptions will be at the bottom of the podcast, wherever you get your podcasting at. Well, my tithing titans and my gifting gals, that is it from financial advisors say the darndest things. And if you're not subscribed to the show, 
If you go to our website, you can see and receive our Christian resource for biblical principles every Christian should know about investing and creating generational wealth. Just go to www.abrwealthmanagement.com backslash podcast, enter your name, email, and click the link, and it's yours. Now you'll be able to fellowship with thousands of listeners and tithing Christians just like you. You'll be able to stay informed on upcoming guests, download free Christian resources, and be notified of special access codes for bonus material. Well, I am A.B. Ridgeway, and I'll see you on the other side of your blessing. I hope that you've been blessed. As always, this episode was created by A.B. Ridgeway, owner of A.B. Ridgeway Wealth Management, a virtual and in-person fee-only advisor that believes that financial advice should have God in it. If you need help figuring out your finances, feel free to reach out to us at 337-414-3686 or visit our website at www.abrwealthmanagement.com and schedule a free consultation. New episodes are available every Friday, so be sure to subscribe. You can also listen to our podcast on your favorite platforms, Amazon Music, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and more. Or simply visit our website and join our family. I am A.B. Ridgeway, and I'll see you on the other side of your blessing. Elijah Ridgeway is an investment advisor representative and owner of AB Ridgeway Wealth Management, LLC, a registered investment advisor which produces a podcast show and makes it available on his website and through other distribution channels. Elijah Ridgeway and any guests on the podcast are providing their own views and opinion are not necessarily the views and opinions of AB Ridgeway Wealth Management. Nothing on the podcast should be construed as solicitation or offer or recommendation to buy or sell any specific security. Investment advisory services are only provided to investors who become AB Ridgeway Wealth Management clients pursuant to a written investment management agreement. Clients of AB Ridgeway Wealth Management may hold positions and securities discussed in the podcast. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All investments involve risk and may lose money. Financial advisors say the Darnestine podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied on for any investment decisions. Instead, please consult a financial advisor, accountant, attorney, and or conduct your own due diligence.